God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you so much for today. There's so much to celebrate. And Lord, we just ask that uh, in the midst of all this, Lord, it is you that we celebrate. It is you that we are honoring and praising. And Lord, we just ask that you would be here today, even in the words, the message, Lord, that your spirit can speak. So Lord, we live this time to you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think you guys know this by now. One of the things besides sports I enjoy outside of church stuff, I love watching movies. I'm a good, I'm a big, uh, avid movie watcher when I can stay awake. You know, when I can stay awake, I love a good story. I love good characters. Sadly, you know, I'm at that point, I think it started really like 20 something years ago. When Jamie and I would watch a movie, I'd start off well, the next thing you know, I'm like building off, I'm hitting the head against the wall. So there's a lot of good stories that I've missed because I've fallen asleep, but I love a good story. I love a good movie because I love the characters that are involved. And I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but if your your life could your story could be made into a movie, what genre of movie would your story be? Would it be like a rock song? Romance comedy? I'm looking at any couples here. I see no affirmation <laughs> gestures. Would it be like an action movie? Would it be a comedy? A slapstick comedy? Are you like, it's like a documentary or something? I think if it was me, if my life was made to a movie, it would probably be like a uh, suspenseful action movie. But it's not in the way you're thinking. It won't be because my life has like filled with a lot of suspenseful action moments that I can think of, but it's probably because you know Jamie and I we joke around and we joke about saying you know if I have any guardian angels over me, I'm keeping them really busy. They are probably really really busy when you know I, I think of them clocking in and like all right another day with life you know kind of thing. Um, and so it's probably not suspense for me, but there's probably a lot of things going on in my life that I'm not even aware of that the angel, I'm keeping these angels busy, you know, avoiding car acts, all that kind of stuff. But I imagine all our lives are that way. Our story probably has a lot more to it than we even can imagine or realize. Can you imagine God's perspective looking at our story? There's so many things that we're not even aware of that is happening, that's going on. And today, you know, one of two baptism Sundays, what we're really looking at is the story. The baptism story. Like each person that's getting baptized represents a story. It represents God's story in this person's life. It represents God's relationship with this person. And we're celebrating that. We're celebrating God's relationship their discovery of their relationship with God through their baptism, through this opportunity. And really that's kind of the story of the gospel. The gospel's impact on each person. And if you look at the story of the gospel, the story of the gospel is very much one of adversity to opportunity. That's really kind of the represents the story of the gospel. Right? Adversity opportunity. And that happens throughout church history, that God has used adversity for opportunities to share the gospel, to share the message 
So I wanted, we're going to take a look at a particular story today, another gospel story. And it's going to seem to be kind of random at first. What a, you know, what a random series of events. But as we're going to see that there's nothing random with God. It was very intentional with God. So we're going to take a look at it. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 8. The story, the persecution of the early church has started. The believers in Christ are starting to be imprisoned because of what they believe in. And in particular, there's one particular young man who started getting involved with persecuting the church and imprisoning the believers, and that young man is named Saul. You can read this story in the following chapter, chapter 9. But so, what the enemy means from harm, God makes an opportunity for good. And we're going to see this is what happens. The early church is being persecuted in Jerusalem. So what ends up happening is all the believers start to scatter. They start going to different areas to avoid the persecution. But with this adversity comes opportunity. Because as the believers are being scattered about, they take advantage of it and they start preaching the gospel of Jesus. And we see that the gospel even brings this brought to the Samaritans. And so Philip is seen preaching to the Samaritans and they start believing in the gospel. So it's amazing how the adversity that shapes the community brings about opportunity. And this is the beginning stages of the church, but there's a radical shift within the community, a radical shift in their mindset. You see, they're used to being in the Jews. They're God's chosen people. So God's covenant remains with the Jews, right? But what the gospel did, the total shift, is that now they're seeing that people outside the Jewish community is receiving Christ. It's no longer just the Jews. It's no longer just the Jews that are spread throughout the region. It's now being brought to the Samaritans. It's now being brought to the Gentiles. Now the gospel is being brought to pagans. Those who don't believe in God are not God-fearing. And they're seeing that people are coming to faith. They're receiving Jesus. They're believing in him. And so it's a radical shift for the early church. Get around that. It's not just the Jews that are for Christ, but it's also going to all the world, all believers. And I want to challenge us, before we get into the passage, as a church, challenge ourselves that we can, the face of generations looks it can look different from what we're familiar with. That when we look around us, the actual faces that make up our church can look different. We don't have to look the same. You know that old phrase, you know, all Asians look the same? Well, I've got to tell you, that was put the challenge in pandemic. Because with the mask, when you look, you don't look this much. It's like, gosh, can I recognize people? It wasn't until you take the mask off, like, oh, that's what you look like. You see all the differences, right? Actually, I can recognize differences between all of you, right? But we need to get used to that. When we look around the church, we can value, even though the face looks different, we can honor each person as a fellow brother and sister in Christ. Or honor each person as a potential brother and sister in Christ, right? But this was the shift that, the, that was challenging the early church. And so this is a challenge that we see in this passage. So we'll take a look at it. In verse 25. It says, And so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started.
started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go south to the road that ascends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. And he arose and went, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So we see, due to the persecution, Philip was led to Samaria and began preaching to the Samaritans. But God sends an angel to him and tells him to tells Philip to go south on a desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now we don't see Philip given any clear reasons as to why. Notice that. The angel doesn't tell Philip, here's why I want you to do this. No details or clues here other than arise and go, and this is where you need to go. Now, I don't know about you, but I've learned in my own story, there are times when God tells me to do something, and he gives me no details. He gives me no reasons why, or even who. I don't know about you, but if you've experienced that, that's frustrating, isn't it, sometimes? It's scary sometimes. I like to have the blueprint. I like to know why. I like to know the plan. And sometimes God has told me, you know what, I just need you to go. I know you want to know why. I know you want to know who. I know you want all those things. I just want you to go. And there's a point where we want to be in our relationship with God. Where we're at a point in our relationship with God that we can be willing to, if we hear God tell us to go, we're willing to go without asking questions. Right? You kids, when we're parents, or maybe us adults, we remember growing up, when your parents said to you, can you do something, why don't you go do this? What's your first question? Why? Why do I need to do this? Maybe we tend to do this. Sometimes we carry that with God. We want to be in that relationship with God. When God tells us to go, we're like, okay, God, I may not know the details, but I'm going to go. But notice, it's not until Philip obeyed and went does he discover the reason why. He sees, he goes, and he does his document, and he sees an Ethiopian official, and he's, he's in charge of the treasury, and he came to Jerusalem to worship. Coincidence? Imagine that. An official, royal official from Ethiopia, goes to Jerusalem to worship, and he's traveling back. You would think, well, how random? Is that a coincidence? No, God has a plan. Look what he says in verse 28. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go and join this chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now notice, initially, God sent an angel to tell Philip what to do, right? Here, notice it says, the Spirit specifically says to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Now what does this mean? Why is the first instance that the angel comes and says this to him, and the second instance, we see it just simply says, the Spirit comes and says to him. Personally, what does this mean? I don't know. Perhaps it's that Initially, God knew exactly what Philip needed to just go and do. Perhaps. So he sends an angel to, as a messenger for Philip to go. 
But by that time, that means of obedience, all he can spare the intentions of the Lord. Go up to that church. Go speak to that person. And Philip knew, okay, Lord, this will be why I'm doing this. Right? We're going to discover that in our story, in our life, sometimes we want an angel to come, right? Have you ever been in that situation? You're like, God, can you just send a messenger to me, an angel to me, a light, a voice, something? Right? We always want something like that. But we never want to be reminded of that. We want to be so attuned with God that we can just sense His Spirit and say, My God. See that person? Go talk to that person. Go share with that person. We don't need to rely on those clear signs that we're looking for. But what seems evident is that Philip lived a Spirit-filled life. That he knew what it means to be led by the Spirit. He obeys and he seizes the opportunity that was before him. The Ethiopian official, he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he's hearing the Ethiopian read it. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? I mean, talk about opportunity, right? There's no clearer opportunity. Verse 32. Now the passage of scripture, which he was reading, was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall, who shall relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? So this official happened to be reading Isaiah 53. Is that familiar? You remember, if you were with us on Good Friday service, John quoted from Isaiah 53, that chapter, this portrayal of a suffering servant. And who fulfilled that image of a suffering servant? Jesus Christ. We saw it last week, right? That Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. He paid the price for our sin. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And so this Ethiopian official happened to be reading Isaiah 53 soon after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And as Philip was preaching the gospel and God sends him over to this road for some reason, he encounters this Ethiopian official who happened to be reading the chapter about Jesus. Now talk about a gift wrapped opportunity, right? There have been situations where like you see this person, you have this nudge inside you, and you're fighting it, and you're like, God, should I be talking to this person about you? Should I be sharing about you? And you're wondering, you're debating, you're like, oh, should I, should I, is this the right time, or stuff like that, right? You can't debate those things. And then there are times when it's just gift wrapped, right? It's obvious. It's like alarm bells are ringing, you know, neon signs saying, share my gospel, share it now, share it now, and you can't avoid it. And you're like, okay, God, I guess this is time. For Philip, some great, seemingly random opportunity, he comes and he sees, he seizes that opportunity to share about Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 he says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, 
Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Peter's encouraging us, be ready at any given moment to be always sure of the hope that is in you to anyone. You never know when an opportunity is going to come. Someone's going to ask you. A friend's going to ask you. Maybe they're in desperate moments. And they remember, like, you go to church or something. Say, yes, you go to church. Is there anything we need to remember? Or what is there anything you can tell me to help me? And there's an opportunity for you, right? And as they were along, went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In verse 38, and he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. So instantly, he heard of Christ. He sees some water. He says, wait, 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 stop right here. What stops you from getting baptized right now? And Philip's like, nothing. Let's do it, right? Right there, instant. I mentioned in my baptism class that I think churches today, we have the intention right, but I think we have the execution a little off when it comes to baptism. I mentioned this about traditions. Sometimes we have these traditions of how we do things. The intention is good when we have baptism classes. A lot of different churches have baptism classes, right? You have these classes so that people who want to get baptized, they're certain they know what they're doing when they get baptized, right? And I think the intention is very good, that we want to make sure that someone who's getting baptized, they understand what it means to be baptized, they understand. But the problem with that is sometimes it becomes an extension, a long, elongated series of things, right? This baptism today was supposed to happen last year, last fall. But with COVID and everything, we had to delay it, delay it, delay it, all that kind of stuff. But what we see in Scripture, baptism is this immediate response to coming to faith. When we look at Scripture, we see with the Ethiopian official, we see this, that as soon as he comes to faith, he wants to get baptized. With Cornelius in Acts 10.48, when he comes to Christ, he gets baptized immediately. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, Peter gives us this message of the gospel of who Jesus is. And 3,000 people come to faith and are baptized. Can you imagine that? 3,000 people. We're excited for, for the three people today. We're excited for the more that's coming next week. Can you imagine 3,000 people? That's amazing. Can you imagine all the certificates? Just kidding, I don't think they got the gifts there. I don't think they got the gifts, but they got a gift of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. I'm sorry. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Upon hearing the gospel of Christ, the people were pierced to the heart. 
And they said, okay, what should we do with this? The fact that Jesus is the one we were waiting for, that he died for our sin. We can be forgiven of all our sin. We can be restored in relationship with God. He saved us. Now, what do we do now? What a heart, right? Look at the message of it. Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Repentance. Forgiveness of sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. That was Peter. He said, what must you do? Your faith in Jesus Christ. Your forgiveness. Your repentance. In other words, you turn away from your old life and you receive the Holy Spirit. See, it's so simple. If it, was, if it was up to me, personally, we would have that pool right outside every Sunday. Right? And you share the gospel. And they hear the gospel and say, you know what, I want to receive Jesus. I want him to forgive me of my sin. I want him, I want to receive the Holy Spirit so he can transform my life and I can know what it means to live for him. And I'd say, Amen. Praise God. Let's get you in the pool. I watched watch some funny videos, uh, baptism videos on YouTube last night to get my daughter ready. And man, there's some crazy, crazy ways to baptize people. There was some man who was like, the guy was in the water, and what happened? I guess it's a pastor, I don't know who he was. He goes in, he just like dives into the pool with some apples and dumps in and brings them up. It's kind of crazy. It was pretty violent, actually. Uh, I don't know if that was football I was watching or baptism. I don't know. Uh, you know, we took it around. Like, you know, depending on how much sin you have, that's how long you're under the water. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. We'd all drown if that was the case, right? So we're not going to do that, but if I had my way, that's not bad. If it was up to me, that's how we would respond to the gospel. But of course, you know, we want family to come. Joyce, patience. I'm not down on that. Point being, we overcomplicate things sometimes. See, baptism was that response to faith. You're recognizing Jesus. I believe what you did for me. What we celebrated last week that Jesus, you died for my sin. You resurrected from the grave to give me new life, that I can receive your Holy Spirit, that your Spirit can dwell in me, transform me, and change me. I recognize it, and I want to be baptized as a sign of what you did for me. My proclamation, Jesus, this is what I believe you did for me. That's what baptism is. Is that physical sign act that represents faith in Christ and what he's done for us. Let's finish up the story, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So after the baptism, can you imagine that he gets baptized? And the Spirit of the Lord snatches Philip away. That word for about snatches is an immediate seizing and carrying away. And Philip was out of sight. 
Imagine the story of this Ethiopian official. Imagine his story that he gets to go and tell. I was just making my way to Jerusalem, worshiping the God of the Hebrews. And I was reading a passage and I didn't understand it. And some random event happens. Some, some man comes and asks me, do I understand? I said, I don't understand. I don't know what he's doing. And he tells me about Jesus. What Jesus did for us. And I got baptized. And you know what happened next? Vanished. Couldn't find him. Couldn't see him. What a story to tell for this official. And what a story to tell by Philip. He obeyed the Spirit and had an opportunity to share with someone he may never ever met before to share the gospel. And this Ethiopian official goes back home glorifying God. Being able to tell all his friends, all his family about Jesus. And Philip goes and starts spreading the gospel in such a way. What an incredible story. But that's the story of the gospel. Out of adversity comes opportunity. Opportunity to share. Some things I want us to kind of think about as we reflect on this story. I want us to think about our response to the gospel. And our willingness to be led by the Holy Spirit. Many of us, if not all of us, yes. We have Christ in our life. You've been baptized before. And you represent God's story in your life. And your story can be used in such a powerful way to share with somebody. There's someone who, who relates to your struggle, relates to your adversity, relates to your testimony, who needs to hear that God can transform, that Jesus can change the life. So we need to make ourselves available. Be willing to say, God, use me. If you tell me to go, I may not know why. I may not know who. I may not even know where at times. But can you send me? So that I can share your story in my life. And notice Philip was ready. Philip was ready to share. You're reading about Isaiah, but I can tell you more about it. We want to be able to share. That's why this morning I shared with the those in see with anger. Know your story. Know how God has impacted your life. Know who Christ is because there may be a time, a golden wide open door for you to share with somebody who needs Jesus. So God is writing our story. God's writing your story, this story in your life. Can you be ready to share that story with somebody? Let's bow our hands right Lord God, we come before you. We just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. That you are a writer of our story. You are the hero of our story. And Lord, we just thank you that today we celebrate that. We celebrate you and the lives of those who will get baptized in. Lord, may this be a start, or not even just a start, another point in their journey of faith 
for they see your hand, Lord. And Lord, if there's someone here, Lord God, who's struggling with their faith, or they may not know who Jesus is, may they know, Lord, your love for them, your desire to forgive them, and cleanse them, and give them new life. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship.